what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I am Frances Hall, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we're talking about dementia and music, a topic that is a personal as well as professional interest to our interviewee, as well as to millions of people who are caring for loved ones or clients. With more than 5 million people in the United States alone who have some form of dementia and knowing that that number is growing each year, finding helpful aids is incredibly important. More and more, research shows that people who have even profound dementia often remember music from years or even decades ago, and that music can help reduce anxiety and depression, even for someone with dementia, as well as help help redirect challenging symptoms of the disease. We are talking today with Dr. Cassandra Germain, Assistant Professor at North Carolina Agriculture and Agricultural and Technical State University. Dr. Germain has a PhD in Psychology, Lifespan Human Development from North Carolina State University. In addition to teaching, Dr. Germain is a researcher. Her current research focuses on preserving functional health and well-being in older adults. One of her research studies is looking at the impact of personalized music intervention on cognition, mood, and behavioral symptoms in older adults with cognitive impairment and dementia. Dr. Germain comes to her research not only from an academic standpoint, though, she also spent nine and a half years as a primary caregiver to a person with dementia, so she knows how heartbreaking and challenging this journey can be. Hello, Dr. Germain. Thank you so much for being with us. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Francis? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, we are delighted. Thank you. I'm doing fine. We are excited about your research and grateful for the opportunity to explore how music may benefit those with dementia and their caregivers. There is so much to cover. So let's just start with some basics. Tell us a little about music intervention, please, and how it relates to adults with Alzheimer's disease or any form of dementia. Yes, music intervention actually comes to us from the realm of music therapy. And music intervention is an opportunity for us to 
uh, use music, especially personalized music, to connect with loved ones uh, who may be suffering from memory loss, uh, personality changes, as well as uh, symptoms related to depression and agitation. As far as dementia is concerned, uh, we've, uh, research recently has uh, demonstrated that there's significant preservation in the parts of our brains that are devoted to musical memories. So music is something that is uniquely persistent right in the adult brain, even um, after the onset of a disease that is progressive and degenerative, such as dementia. That is fascinating. I mean, just just that the brain retains music when it can't when it can't retain other things. So absolutely. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, absolutely. This is one of the things that's so exciting about it. And what I love personally about music, I mean, one, I am a I am a music lover myself, but music, you know, all of us have had those experiences where music is truly transformative. It um, can shift one's mood. It can really help us to recall positive memories and experiences from our our livelihood. And it's such a wonderful uh, discovery that it's something that continues to be persistent and that we can use to connect with people who are suffering from dementia. Absolutely. What you used a term, excuse me, you used a term a minute ago, and I want to explore that a little more. You used the term personalized music therapy or personalized music, what are the benefits? What is personalized music? And what are the benefits of personalized music? Okay, great question, Francis. So personalized music, this is a very important point. So personalized music really is a, a genre of music or music that is specifically connects with an individual. It's part of one's autobiographical history, so to speak. So music that you've listened to throughout your lifespan during different periods of your life, perhaps that you were exposed to during your childhood, we found are particularly moving um, in persons with dementia and with neurodegenerative disorders, and we find that they're particularly persistent. So all of us have had experience, I know I personally, that when I listen to easy listening radio in particular, whenever I hear the Bee Gees, I always think of my mother because those were things that we would hear in the car um, listening. So we would hear the Bee Gees, we would hear Hall and Oates, and those take me back to a very specific period in my life. Whereas, you know, if I hear Whitney Houston, I might think about being in high school. So personalized music is specifically tied into one's autobiographical history. I like to think of it as a musical autobiographical history. And again, that makes it specifically identifiable and allows us to be able to connect with it on a deeper level. Gotcha. Okay. So that's sort of like with my mother, and I'm dating myself a bit, um, but but um, with my mother, it was the big band era. That was her music. For me, it would have been the, the Beatles and the Bee Gees, as you're saying, you know, and, and uh, I know those are a little bit different different eras but but what you're saying is that the personalized music is really understanding the music that that person really connects with that has had meaning in their life 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is a very, very important part. And what we love about personalized music is that, you know, the reason that it has the power to elicit those memories, because again, of that personalized experience, that autobiographical experience or memory that's tied to it. Then can there be, uh, and I'm just going to go a little farther with this, can there be personalized music that someone gains um, or identifies with, really embraces and loves, but they that music comes to into their lives a little a little later. It's not their high school or college music. Mm-hmm. It's something that they really gravitated toward as, as an adult. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, it can be something that is just meaningful, really. That is personally meaningful. It could be a wedding song. Um, it could be any really any music that is tied to some sort of personal or emotional memory. What we have found, however, is that, you know, as the degree, as the disease progresses, uh, the music that people tend to connect to, connect with, and that are more persistent, tends to be the music from their youth. It doesn't necessarily have to be childhood, but earlier times in their youth, perhaps their 20s or their 30s, you know, when they had very active memories. Because as you know, um, Francis, that, you know, people with dementia, especially moderate to severe, you know, they'll forget more recent memories, but distant memories, again, because they've been reinforced over several decades, tend to be more persistent. So we do find that there's a wonderful effect and that um, people are not only sharing spontaneous memories, but that we've, we've observed in our research significant improvements in their mood. So people who suffer from depressive symptoms who are withdrawn, as a result of their dementia, who perhaps may be communicating less with their loved ones or those around them, you know, connecting them to that personalized music and engaging them with personalized music intervention really helps to change that and to modify that. So we've had wonderful results where, you know, people at the adult daycare center or at the community or in a nursing home who may tend to be, again, very minimally communicative when we are able to share, you know, that our autobiographical music with them, it seems to prompt and generate a lot of wonderful responses. And they share memories with us that, you know, some people may have thought were lost. Their mood is visibly elevated and improved. They, you know, dance, uh, they share, they communicate a lot more. And it's been a really wonderful experience, not only to witness um, visually, but also for the research as well. There are some wonderful, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about some of the videos that I've seen online about people who, as you say, are basically uncommunicative until music starts. And then they start singing along and not missing a beat. Absolutely. Beautiful. How wonderful to witness that. Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought that up. Alive Inside is actually a wonderful documentary. It used to be on Netflix, but I'm not sure if it, if it, if it still is. And it also won an award at the Cannes Festival a few years back. But that was actually my first introduction to personalized music uh, roughly about eight years ago. And I've used it myself as a caregiver. And again, it has sparked you know quite a bit of research. And our goal at our lab and here at the institution is to be able to train caregivers and laypersons to utilize this very simple intervention technique to you know, reconnect with their loved ones and and to really help improve their quality of life, even in the midst of the disease progressing.
definitely we want to get into that. But before we do, all of this sounds really, really great. Are there any drawbacks to using personalized music? Yeah, honestly, we really haven't found any significant drawbacks. And that's so wonderful. Um, as far as helping to alleviate behavioral symptoms or challenges involved with self-care, personalized care, or transitions, it's really one of those that improve symptoms without the negative side effects that can occur with pharmacological intervention. So unfortunately, as you may also know, that many of the drug therapies that are used to treat challenging symptoms uh, of dementia are really pharmacological interventions that are used for um, a lot of psychotic, antipsychotics are frequently used. And not every person with dementia tolerates those very well. I mean, music, I mean, aside from uh, your loved one rejecting the music on a particular day because they may be having a bad day or they are not in the mood, there really has been no negative drawbacks. And everyone that we've interacted with has really received it very, very well, um, as long, again, as you're connecting with them on music they can identify with. And sometimes it may be a little bit of a process. So I have a funny story for you. Oftentimes when we share, ask loved ones to share what their loved one's favorite genre of music is or their favorite artist, if they have any favorite songs, we try to get a really comprehensive uh, musical history from them. And we also creatively try to select music from different decades, right, that involves their lifespan. And what we found is that, you know, our the music that we select along with the music that their caregivers report that they enjoy is usually a better mix than only their list. Because, you know, I love big band personally. I'm still a big, big band fan. And I remember watching Lawrence Welk with my grandma, the Lawrence Welk show, quite a lot as a child. And I really loved it. So I, I spent a lot of time with that music. So for me, that has also positive memories. But what's interesting is you may not be aware of certain things about your loved one's past, you know, especially if it's a parent or grandparent or an aunt that they really connect to that you can't share with us. So what we found is that um, sometimes the music that they think that their loved one would like, you know, may not necessarily be the full story. So it's sometimes it may take a couple of weeks of tweaking, but it's wonderful to try different genres of music, uh, popular music throughout their lifespan, again, from childhood all the way into their adulthood, and just select the kind of music that they are most responsive to. And then you can create a customized playlist that speaks to them, you know, and in their current state. And you can tweak it as it goes along, as they change and as they as they improve. And what a wonderful conversation to have with someone, uh, an, an older loved one, before anything starts happening that, you know, what what is the music that you really like? Let me be sure, but who are your mm-hmm. favorite artists or, you know, genre or, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So... How can caregivers utilize music at home? You you mentioned ago about that this is something that basically family members can do, that anyone can do. So how do they do that? How can they use music at home with a loved one who has dementia? How, how do they go about doing that? 
Okay, great. Another great question. So it's very simple. So I know that a lot of people now are getting Alexa <laughs> in their homes or Google Homes, and they spend quite a, ta- a bit of time chatting with Alexa. So we can use a lot of the more recent technological devices, such as Alexa or Google Home, to you know create playlists. You can ask Alexa, play top 10 hits from the 1950s, or Alexa, you know, play... Billy Holiday, right? You can uh, start creating and customizing playlists using some of those devices. You can also start more simply if you don't have technology in your home. You can, you know, pull out your record player and those old and dust off those old vinyl records that mom, dad, or husband or wife used to listen to and play some of their old favorite records. And it's interesting because we found that you don't have to play it all day. You can be strategic about it. You can play it during the times of day that you find that they may be more withdrawn or that they may be more agitated or, or, or less cooperative. And you can play for just, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a day at strategic times really makes a huge difference. You know, we've, we've had caregivers share with us very creative ways than they're using. Um, I've had, uh, you know, spouses share with me that um, if they want to have a, a period of time where they're connecting and sharing stories, they can play it you know, just for 10, 15 minutes when they're having a conversation to help them with transitioning with meals, make mealtime more pleasant or bath time more pleasant. So really you can be very, very creative about it because again, there's something really special about that music that people connect to and it really engages them. You know, I would say some of the things to be mindful about is the volume of the music, making sure that it's not too loud, so that it isn't Um, agitating them or aggravating their symptoms. Um, They may have some sensory challenges and may not like loud music. Some people choose to use a noise-canceling headphones. Some people use wireless speakers. Uh, So any of those um, is quite feasible. Two things you just said that I want to pick up on. Um, Headphones, for someone who has cognitive impairment, cognitive issues, do headphones work very well, or is that something that they possibly don't understand mm-hmm. what that is? Yeah, for most in our in our experience so far, uh, for most most tolerate headphones very very well. I would say ninety to ninety five percent of the people that we've worked with in the community tolerate the headphones very nicely. Um, again, because it helps to minimize some of that high pitch frequency. Uh, for us. But I would say, again, you know, work with your loved one on an individual basis. Um, You know your loved one best. If you know that they have a lot of sensory challenges and they don't like, and they are easily confused and they do not like to, you know, have things around their faces or their head, then I would suggest using perhaps more of a speaker or a cassette player or a record player or something of that nature. But again, for most individuals, you know, if the headset is comfortable, comfortably placed, and again, not surprising them with it, typically we take an approach where we introduce them ourselves, we let them know that we're going to put the headset on, we ask their permission, if we can place the headset, and, you know, that we once, once they've built that trust with you, they typically allow it. And once they hear the music, they're fully engaged and it really isn't problematic. But again, I would say for loved ones doing this at home, the best thing to do is to use your judgment because no one knows your loved one better than you. Gotcha. And what about 
um, playlist kind of music versus if there's a piano in the home and there is someone who plays and sings. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in that, in that strategy? Um, well, yes. I mean, I think for both are very effective. I feel that there might be a little bit more diversity um, and ability to engage a little bit more when you create a, a playlist because, you know, we all have different moods. Sometimes you want to hear something very soothing and relaxing if you're feeling stressed out or agitated. Um, if you want to be a little bit more engaged, you can play something a little bit more up-tempo. And also one of the benefits of having a playlist is that it allows the caregiver to have a little bit more flexibility. So, um, you know, engaging your loved one with playing the piano is wonderful, but if you don't have any time and you need to put a load of laundry in or wash a dish, it's nice to have that playlist because it allows you to utilize it in different ways and take it on the road. Um, we had one caregiver who shared with us and her, her spouse suffered from delusions, which a very small portion of uh, dementia uh, persons experience delusions, but you know, whenever she had to travel cross country to her daughters to get support, she was able to use that, you know, in her car traveling cross country. She was able to use it whenever he experienced a delusional episode at home. So it just allowed her a lot more flexibility when you have the playlist. But I would say both are beneficial. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, a minute ago, you said something about something that triggered the question of, is there a certain amount of time that is optimal? Is it five minutes, 30 minutes, or does that, is that just dependent on the person? So it depends on the person, but just so that you don't have too much habituation, usually we do about, you know, 15 to 30 minutes. Um, and you can test, you know, how engaged they are, if they stay engaged. And sometimes it can be based on tasks. We've had people use it for up to an hour if they really need, you know, the person to be engaged and, and distracted for some time and some for as brief as 15 minutes. If it's just to perhaps help alleviate a delusional episode or distract someone from a delusional episode or to help them transition, you can use it for a shorter period of time. But I would say 15 to 30 minutes is optimal so that you can use it multiple times during the day if you need to. Thank you. I was just going to ask that. Good. <laughs> that If that can be used, if music can be used several times during the day. Yes, absolutely. And that's another benefit over pharmacological intervention. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. You are just giving great information. How do you suggest families and caregivers begin to use it? Is there anything more than what you've already said? Um, I typically encourage individuals to start with what they already have in the home. Many people now have iPhones and iPads. You can very easily download music from iTunes and create a special folder for your loved ones so you don't have to invest in any additional devices. Um, Again, if you have a Google Home or Google Alexa, it's just a matter of, I would say, some trial and error. You know, start accumulating a series of songs in a folder on your existing device and and share with your loved one and, and just keep note of what they respond to more. And, you know, put that in your toolkit. 
that's a really good idea to make note mm-hmm. of, of what mm-hmm. they respond well to and what maybe they don't, you know, and that can be. They don't, absolutely. Yeah. And, and as you were saying, it could be a volume issue. It could be the particular music. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, is there, you know, could there be music that would that would conjure up sad memories or difficult memories? Could that be? Could that be something to? Yes, watch? that's oh, yes, absolutely. And I'm really glad you asked that question, Francis. So there, there's always a slight risk of that because, again, as we talked about, it's it's very autobiographical. Maybe a particular song helps them, re, reminds them of a lost loved one, and that may make them sad temporarily. So uh, again, I would suggest not only that you're paying attention to you know, how they're responding to the music, but also have different types of music. And particularly if you plan to use it during different times of the day for different purposes, right? If you want something a little bit more engaging to get them more active, you might want to have a little bit more beat music if you want something a little bit more soothing, you know, to help, you know, promote sleep hygiene. You know, later on in the evening, you might want to play something a little bit more soothing. So I would say it's always a great idea to have a variety of tempoed music and types of music in your toolkit. And I would assume that for a lot of people that that um, religious music, that music from their church is yes. really significant. So even adding that into the mix. Yes. Yes. We have a lot of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And what about, I feel like I'm just barraging you with questions. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but what about if the family has a paid caregiver or the loved one is in a nursing home or assisted living? Then how Do you have any suggestions about how to work with those staffs, um, either in the facility or a paid caregiver? Mm-hmm. That is that is a wonderful question. So if you have a paired, uh, paid caregiver at home, it's very easy if you've you know collected a playlist to share with them. And I would say in the home, you know, private caregivers. I mean, they're I think most of them, especially if they work with the dementia population, are always open and excited to try something new, anything that'll make their job easier. So if you can say to your caregiver, well, guess what, you know. If, you know, so-and-so is having a hard time today with meals, you know, here's, you know, can you play this music for them? That seems to help them. Most of them are agreeable to that. And um, in nursing homes, sometimes in a facility, it can be a little bit more challenging just really to get initial buy-in. But quite a bit of this uh, community-based research has been done in skilled nursing facilities and they have engaged staff. And once staff are engaged and they realize that it works, they are willing to use it and they're excited about it. I mean, of course, you have to think about, you know, turnover and things like that because you don't always have control over, you know, which caregivers are caring for your loved one. But you can bring this music when you visit and play it for them. And if you have a a staff person that you have a good relationship with and you want to leave the device there with the preloaded music, you can also share with them that, you know, they're really responsive to this and, you know, demonstrate for them, you know, how responsive and cooperative they are when they are listening to this music. Right, right. I remember being very pleased, but somewhat surprised when my mother was in the hospice house, that Mm -hmm. they had 
and this was several years ago, but they had a, as I remember, a tape recorder or like a like a boom box kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and a lot of cassettes there, or I guess no, it wasn't that long ago. It was a CD, it was CD. CD player. Yes. <laughs> Showing my age. <laughs> At least I wasn't talking eight tracks. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, they had the uh, CD player and CDs in each of the rooms. And wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, it is it's a great example because really they're finding that music is has broad you know implications and is beneficial for a variety of clinical populations so they're using it to help with del- uh, delirium with uh, children with autism who have poor language skills so a lot of different applications of using this personalized music are emerging right right and so your research uh, tell us a little about the research you're doing so we can be excited with you about the outcomes. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, what we've done over a period of time, we've, we've done a couple of different projects, but the one project that we've recently completed involved just what we've been sharing. We've developed personalized playlists for several members in the community uh, with the help of their loved ones. And again, our, our knowledge based on different periods of music and different genres of music. And we've collaborated with several organizations in in the Greensboro area, respite care centers, adult daycare centers. Of course, all this is pre-COVID. Now we have a few more challenges, but we've been able to go in and provide personalized music intervention two times a week for 20 to 30 minutes at a time of one-on-one with my team to really help uh, with their clients who are experiencing a lot of challenges with behaviors and behavioral symptoms. And that has had wonderful outcomes. The staff has really reported a lot of improvement, um, increased engagement on the part of their clients, and they've been really excited about that. And we will be publishing this work soon from our lab. Um, Because of COVID, we're uh, planning to launch phase two very, very soon, where we will be training caregivers virtually, of course, to um, develop and learn how to use this technique at home themselves. And that's what we're talking about getting ACAP involved with, correct? Absolutely. And I'm very much excited about having ACAP on board with this program. So stay tuned, ACAP members and listeners. We hope to engage you very soon. Absolutely. Dr. anything else? that I haven't asked that you want to be sure is conveyed that, that our listeners hear. Yes. Well, as Francis says, you've done such a wonderful job. I think you've covered just about everything. <laughs> but just to, <laughs> but just to uh, recap and encourage, again, uh, this is a very simple process. It requires minimal investment in time and you know, I would say, again, you know, you know your loved ones best. Uh, be creative about how you use it. There isn't one prescribed way that's going to work best for everyone. Um, each person with dementia or Alzheimer's disease has a different constellation of symptoms or challenges and behaviors. And uh, as caregivers, we all develop our own specialty toolkit about how to engage our loved ones so that we can be functional and that we can improve their quality of life. But again, this is something very positive that you can share with your loved one. And it's a positive shared experience 
you know, beyond just focusing on, you know, what is wrong. It's something that you can enjoy that can increase the bond and, and also help with, with, with challenges. And, and I think not only for the loved one, but for the family member who may be listening in this, you know, I, I have several friends um, and, and I, to some extent dealt with a loved one with dementia and there's always that want to connect, that that desire to have some meaningful interaction, and what a beautiful absolutely. way of doing that through through music. Yes, absolutely. So it's beneficial, so it's beneficial to to everyone. <laughs> it is beneficial to both, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Jermaine. This is great information and wonderful tips about how we may use music to help literally in all kinds of situations, but especially our loved ones who have dementia or have some cognitive impairment. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. We hope this podcast has been helpful to you and that you will share it with others you think may benefit. Before we end, we also definitely want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast and all of our podcasts. We are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of Online Shows and Podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community Podcasts on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, as well as our website, www.acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you'd like for us to address as a podcast, please do let us know. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of our background, our education, career, or anything else, when it's our mother, our father, our loved one who needs help, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. Please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv discover other network shows, and give us feedback on what you just heard.